Charges laid in a Surrey gangland shooting. To have an innocent person injured in our city as a result of gang violence is completely unacceptable. What we're learning about the troubled suspect as Surrey residents square off over the future of crime fighting. Big developments in ride hailing. Very pleased to see the first ride hailing applications approved. The first company to get a green light and why it won't be operating in the lower mainland. And a happy resolution to a ripoff caught on camera. Thank you so much. Oh my God. How a global viewer stepped up when thieves stole this dad's car. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks very much for joining us. We begin tonight in Surrey, where residents have turned out to rally as council prepares to vote on a divisive budget. There are actually two rallies underway right now. One opposed to the budget, another in support of it. Our Grace Key and Janet Brown have both angles covered for us tonight. Let's start with Grace Key, who has more on why this budget Thank is so, so controversial. Much. Grace? Behind me here, we have uh, members from Speak Up Surrey. Now, they are speaking out against this budget. One of the concerns, of course, is the controversial issue with policing. Now, they're concerned that this budget does not provide more money for Surrey RCMP. They have requested for more boots on the ground. Now, coincidentally, the Surrey RCMP chose today on the day that this budget is supposed to be passed to announce a major arrest on a shooting that occurred uh, where an innocent bystander was grazed by a bullet. Abdel Malik Lubisi Morris was on probation for a bizarre and violent driving incident when he was arrested in connection with a Surrey shooting that involved an innocent bystander getting hit. To have an innocent person injured in our city as a result of gang violence is completely unacceptable. And I want to assure members of our community, the Surrey RCMP remains committed to gang prevention. Back in July 2017, police responded to a shooting in Surrey's Newton area. It was a targeted incident related to the ongoing gang conflict. A red pickup involved in the shooting was later torched. The innocent bystander grazed by a bullet was a 62-year-old woman visiting from Ontario. It's sad. Um, it should always be safe, especially for the children. Families all come out with their kids and they, they walk up and down the streets. 22-year-old Lubisi Morris was arrested in Richmond on Wednesday. He faces attempted murder, aggravated assault and weapons charges. Is there anything you want to say about the case? Nothing much. Not guilty, just like I said in court. <laughs> he was also convicted of dangerous driving and possession of fentanyl after intentionally driving his car into a group of people he didn't even know in Vernon back in 2016. He struck a woman and then her boyfriend stabbed the driver. Ryan Birchnell was walking with his two friends when the incident unfolded. A few moments later, they, they came at us with a car and they backed up and tried to tried to run over us. Lubisi Morris is known to police and has been in and out of the court system in Coquitlam, Kelowna, Cherryville and Vernon. The investigation into the Surrey shooting remains active with more arrests and charges possible. Now, of course, the uh, Surrey mayor does have the majority vote in this. They, of course, are pushing for a municipal police force. So the group behind me is hoping that they will be able to get their message through to one councillor out there to change their vote. All right, thanks for that. Grace Key reporting live in Surrey for us tonight.
All right, let's check in with Janet Brown now, who's covering the other side of this controversy, those rallying in support of the budget and the mayor. Janet, what are people telling you there tonight? Good evening, Chris. And the rally that started at 5.30 in support of the City of Surrey budget is still underway. You can see the crowd behind me. A couple of hundred people or so, Chris. The organizer of the rally, Gurpreet Sahoda, with the group Wake Up Surrey. Gurpreet, why was it important to have this rally tonight? Uh, we are just here to show solidarity with the Surrey Council, which is moving ahead with the Surrey's own local police. Uh, this is the place where this idea born on June 2018, when two kids died in Surrey, and people uh, like raised their hands that they need local police. And then Mayor won this election on this platform, and today they are going to finally adopt it. And we are here to say thanks and to support him. Chris, City Council will be convening at 7 o'clock tonight to vote the final vote on the city budget. All eyes on Surrey City Hall this evening. Back to you. All right, full coverage on BC One throughout the evening. Janet Brown reporting for us in Surrey Live tonight. Thanks, Janet. Well, just when you thought it would never happen, the first ride-hailing company has been approved in B.C., and it's not Lyft or Uber. Richard Zussman is live in Victoria tonight with the details. There were actually two decisions today, Richard. One was a yes, but the other was a no. Yeah, the Passenger Transportation Board has been reviewing applications since September. And as you mentioned, one company got good news today, another bad news, and Metro Vancouver, they still have to wait. Whistler has its classic forms of transportation, gondola, skis, even mountain bikes. Now, welcome rideshare vehicles. I think it's a long time overdue for Whistler and BC as a whole. I think it's a great idea. It really uh, helps getting known. The Passenger Transportation Board ending months of review on Monday with an announcement of the first license approval for a ride-sharing company in BC. Green Coast will operate Whistle Ride in Whistler, Pemberton, Squamish and Tofino. Being able to hire you know, casual drivers that have their own vehicles that want to jump in when times when, when things are busy is going to really help move people in these small towns. The B.C. government promised to have ride-sharing on the road before Christmas. And although Monday's announcement may be good news for some of those small towns, those in Metro Vancouver will have to wait at least a few more days. Like everyone, uh, I'm anticipating that the Passenger Transportation Board is going to be working expeditiously through the remaining applications. They know that there's a huge appetite in British Columbia. Two of those applications remaining belong to Uber and Lyft. The biggest two ride-share companies in the world will need at least a few days after approval, if they get approved, to get things up and running. We now have the decision on the first two and look forward to see what's going to be coming in the next number of days. In total, 24 companies applied. The Passenger Transportation Board says it is approving applications based on when they were completed. LTG Technologies was turned down for an application because they couldn't show the board they had the tools to operate a rideshare company. And with the big companies still waiting, some are giving up hope the service will be on the road in Metro Vancouver before Christmas. Imagine being a ride-hailing company waiting for approval from the PTB. You're literally sitting in front of your computer hitting refresh every few minutes. This is what it's come down to. Well, at least one company has its approval now, as you uh, pointed out, Richard. So what are the next steps? How soon before Green Coast Ventures will get rolling? 
Yeah, they'll be called Whistle Ride. That's how you'll be able to find them on your phone. They already have a few drivers lined up in Tofino. The expectation is they will try to get up there running as quickly as possible. For Whistler, where I think more people will be able to use it, the service likely won't be available until January. They are still trying to recruit drivers to make that possible, Sophie. All right, thanks for that. Richard Zussman in Victoria tonight. The sentencing hearing for convicted killer Andrew Barry began today in B.C. Supreme Court in Victoria. Barry was convicted of two counts of second-degree murder in the stabbing deaths of his two young daughters on Christmas Day two years ago. He claimed that six-year-old Chloe and four-year-old Aubrey were killed by associates of a loan shark to whom Barry owed money and that the killers had also assaulted him. But the jury rejected that defense. And now the judge must decide how much time Barry will serve before he's eligible for parole. And closing arguments today at the second-degree murder trial of Gabriel Klein. Klein has pleaded not guilty in the stabbing death of 13-year-old Letitia Reimer and attempted murder in the stabbing of her friend. It happened inside Abbotsford Secondary School in November of 2016. Crown today arguing evidence is established beyond a reasonable doubt that Klein had the mental capacity to know that repeatedly stabbing Reimer could result in her death. Defense had previously indicated it would pursue a verdict of not criminally responsible by reason of mental disorder. We are now learning the identities of the two passengers on board a small plane that crashed on Gabriola Island last week, killing them and the pilot. Family and friends are mourning the loss of Alan and Catherine Boudreau. The couple, both 53 years old, lived on Vancouver Island in the small community of Saltaire near Duncan, where they raised three children. They were traveling from Mexico to the Nanaimo Airport on December 10th when the pilot, Alex Balson, reported an equipment problem. The Transportation Safety Board is investigating the exact cause of the crash. They've raised beautiful, strong children that will... They'll get through this, and with the help of family and friends and the outpouring of the community, outpouring of love, um, they'll be okay. But, and I know they're very grateful for all the, all the support they've received. Well, Vancouver's mayor says he won't be intervening in Oppenheimer Park amid renewed calls for an injunction to clear the encampment. The downtown Eastside Park recorded its 10th shooting of the year last week, despite a 53% spike in police calls in 2019 and increasing safety concerns, including fires. The park board has refused to force people out with a court order. The mayor's bid to take temporary control over Oppenheimer was rejected by the park board earlier this fall. And Kennedy Stewart says he now supports the board's decampment plan, which includes an injunction to remove people, but only after certain conditions are met. No deadlines were discussed because that's not the city's jurisdiction, that's the park board's jurisdiction. But again, I had a very good meeting with uh, with the uh, chair of the park board, uh, the new chair of the park board, Gabriel Dumont, uh, just last week. And I feel confident he's got this well in hand. The new park board chair's name is actually Camille Dumont. And the board will be hosting its first media availability since last week's Oppenheimer shooting tomorrow morning. All right, the Sea to Sky Highway is seeing its first significant snowfall of the season. Caused a lot of problem for drivers between Squamish and Whistler. Meteorologist Christy Gordon is live with the details and who else got hit today? Christy? 
Yes, Chris. So the RCMP and Squamish were very busy today responding to a number of collisions along the Sea to Sky Highway. These are images from there today. The drivers are being warned to slow down. Another 10 to 15 centimeters of snow is expected tonight through tomorrow. And a reminder, winter tires are required by law this time of year. And a similar situation in Kamloops today where the roads were very slippery after snow fell this morning. Police and fire crews responding to multiple event accidents. Drivers are advised to take their time, leave extra distance between cars and brake early at intersections. Now, while there isn't any more snow expected in the Kamloops area, we have winter storm warnings as well as snowfall warnings for parts of the province. Chris, I'll have that when I come back. Important to drive slow enough for the conditions out there. Yeah. Okay. Thanks very much, Christy. We'll check in later. Harvey Weinstein talks publicly for the first time since his fall from grace. The backlash that triggered coming up on the news hour. And when this dad was double crossed by car thieves who switched his keys, how a global viewer came through to make the season bright again. Right now, though, at a key time for retailers, we're seeing the impact of the elimination of free parking on Granville Island. It is proving to be very bad for business. Some shop owners tell Global News the drop in sales is significant. And if nothing changes, the outlook is bleak. John Hua reports. It's like having Santa's workshop on Canada's west coast. But the mood is very different at the iconic kids' market on Granville Island. There is a lot less traffic. There is a lot less people buying. Merchants say it's not the Grinch that stole their Christmas shopping season. Instead, another shade of green. Pay parking during peak day periods. There are most days where we um, have no customers in the building. And we can actually just hang around in the hallways and talk to each other because uh, there's nothing to do. They claim the loss of three-hour free parking this spring has led to a 15% loss in sales compared to last year. The first month, customers are coming in and saying now that they know, they're going to go shop somewhere else. A ticking parking meter means few have time to browse around. And the concern is quick stops don't include the kids' market. I drove around and figured, oh, the further I get back, there still probably is free parking, but it wasn't. So we came back, parked, paid, and thought, oh, that's too bad. So in the future, we might not come as often as we used to. The Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation manages Granville Island. They say while parking might have played a role in declining sales, there are other possible factors. Retail is slower across the region. Um, so much of BC, it's been slower this year. Um, also, there's been a few construction projects. The reason to bring in pay parking was to limit congestion. There are currently no plans to review the decision. 2019 has been a great year for lots of the island, um, and we know people, people love coming down here. While there is hope new attractions like a kids' park will help draw customers in, tis the season to keep businesses in the black. This is the month where you, you make a break. So after 28 years, the kids' market is banking on a Christmas miracle to somehow turn things around in the new year. John Hua, Global News. In an exclusive interview with Global BC, Premier John Horgan is dropping strong hints he'll be making changes to the makeup of his cabinet before the legislature resumes sitting in February. Keith Baldry has more on Horgan's musing, including those rumors of a 2020 provincial election. He's been on the job for almost two and a half years now, but Premier John Horgan says he still relishes coming to work every day. Are we still yep. having fun? 
I am. I mean, it's, uh, it's invigorating to get up every day and try and do the best you can to make life better for people. Uh, my spouse, uh, Ellie, often says that there were times when I was in opposition that she'd have to come and nudge me to get out of bed and I'd have the, the covers over my head, but I'm jumping out of bed every morning. Uh, no alarms needed. I'm ready to go. And it's been an exciting time. But as much as he's enjoying himself, for the first time, Premier John Horgan is now saying he needs to press the restart button for his government and make some major changes, starting with what appears to be a cabinet shuffle in the new year. We need to retool. We're at the halfway point. Uh, some members are not going to be running again, so I'm going to have those conversations over the Christmas break, and we'll see. Uh, there'll probably be some changes in the new year. Uh, and uh, I think that's appropriate. Uh, We've had a good run. Horgan has maintained pretty well the same cabinet since coming to power in the summer of 2017. In this interview, he singled out former party leaders Carol James, the finance minister, and Adrian Dix, the health minister, for special praise, but also said it was time to refresh things. I bring up Adrian and Carol because they're former leaders. And I don't, and you've been covering politics for a long, long time. I can't remember a leader that's had the blessing of having two of his mm -hmm. predecessors as his strongest allies. I'm very fortunate in that regard. And the three of us work very, very well together, as does the entire cabinet. But it is, it is time to refresh and take a look at what are we going to do for the second half of the mandate and preparing for an election whenever it comes. Hi. And about that election call, Horgan admits his government remains in power because of support from the three-member Green Party caucus, support that could theoretically disappear at any time. I take every day as a good day and do the best I can uh, from the time I get up until the time I go to bed. And I think that's healthy, for one, and it also uh, gives my colleagues a sense of confidence that we're here uh, to do as much as we possibly can in this mandate. But uh, we don't know what will happen. We could lose a vote. But rumors to the contrary, Horgan insists he won't cause an election to be held in the coming year. No election on your initiative? No. And as for the timing of that looming cabinet shuffle... Those changes happen before the next session or after the session? Uh, I'd like to do it... Uh, well, I don't know. I, I don't know. Good try. <laughs> Almost had you. Yeah, yeah, the hook was in. But yeah, no, I, I will have to see what the new year brings. The next legislature session begins in February. Chances are there will be some new faces sitting in the cabinet desks when it resumes. Keith Baldry, Global News. Pretty firm no to a 2020 election, though, for sure. All right, Vancouver International Airport offering its annual travel tips just ahead of the Christmas crunch. Travelers are urged to plan ahead and leave extra time to get through all the checks and screening. Arrive on time, 90 minutes ahead of domestic flights, two hours before U.S. flights, and three hours in advance of international departures. There are restrictions, of course, for liquids, gels, and aerosols in carry-on bags. And don't wrap your gifts, because they will probably be inspected. On our busiest days, from this Friday the 20th right through to January 6th, we expect up to 85,000 passengers a day. And on our busiest days, probably this Friday is a good example of that. And again, on Monday, January 6th, a lot of people coming home, we can probably see upwards of 90,000 passengers. Well, well, if you're staying at home and feeling festive, Heritage Christmas at the Burnaby Village Museum is a great spot for some seasonal entertainment. And that is where we find meteorologist Christy Gordon tonight. Uh, getting into the spirit, <laughs> what's happening there tonight, Christy? i tell you, this is my first time down here, and boy, have I been missing out. It is lovely down here, very quaint, uh, festive feel. This is Amanda Citrup. She's the, one of the museum interpreters dressed up in her 1920s uh, Christmas uh, decor or uh, garb, I guess you could say. Amanda, tell uh, families at home what they can expect if they come down here. 
you can expect to be transported back in time. So you get a feeling of what it was like to celebrate the season here at Burnaby Village Museum. And there's so many lights and there's food here. I even saw a place for mini donuts. Tell everyone about what other activities there's uh, um, uh, crafts. There's children's crafts. We have demonstrations. You can take a ride on our carousel. Uh, our famous annual tradition is our 12 days of Christmas scavenger hunt. Yeah. I heard. I actually heard some of the kids talking and getting excited about that. So yeah, there's lots to do. As you mentioned, there's the tram. There's even areas inside uh, that you can go to warm up or even on a rainy day. It's a great place to come. Absolutely. There's many different things to experience and learn and have fun together. Yeah, definitely a place I'm going to bring my kids. Thanks so much, Amanda. So it's open from 1 until 9 right now through until January 3rd, although it is closed on Christmas Day and Boxing Day. If you want more information, you can go to their website. It should be on your screen right now. Thank you so much for having us, Amanda. Thanks for coming down. And I should just also remind everyone, it's free. So that's a great thing for families. All right, Ooh. back to you guys. Love free. Thanks very much, Christy. Thanks, Christy. The U.S. Congress will vote this week on whether to impeach a president for only the third time in American history. As Donald Trump braces for impeachment, the Democratic-led House is gearing up for Wednesday's vote on two articles, abuse of power and obstruction of Congress. The House Judiciary Committee's impeachment report argues the president betrayed the nation by abusing his high office. With Democrats making up the majority of the House, it's highly likely that they will formally impeach Trump. However, if the president is impeached, the matter goes to the Republican-controlled Senate for a trial. Boeing is planning to suspend production of the 737 MAX in January. Those 737 MAX planes were first grounded in mid-March after two deadly crashes in Indi Indonesia and Ethiopia. Boeing has continued to build new airplanes and upgrade software during the grounding, but is still awaiting recertification by federal regulators. The company is now temporarily suspending production and says it will prioritize the delivery of stored aircraft. The move comes after the FAA said it doesn't plan to lift a flight ban before 2020. Boeing indicates it doesn't expect any layoffs as a result of the production halt. Disgraced Hollywood mogul Harvey Weinstein drawing swift condemnation for complaining that he's a, quote, forgotten man. In an exclusive interview with the New York Post, the 67-year-old who was set to stand trial on rape and sexual assault charges in January said his work advocating for women should not be forgotten, despite the sexual misconduct accusations he's facing. Weinstein insisting he's made more movies directed by women and about women than any filmmaker, and that it all got eviscerated because of what happened. 23 of his more than 80 accusers responded by saying Weinstein will be remembered as a, quote, sexual predator and an unrepentant abuser who took everything and deserves nothing. In Health Matters tonight, renewed concerns about tainted water in this province, this time in the resort municipality of Whistler. Samples collected by UBC journalism students working in partnership with Global News and the Toronto Star found trace amounts of lead in 13 different locations, including older homes and hotels. Aaron MacArthur has more on the dangerous mix and what the city is saying about the problem. It never occurred to John Wallace that the water in his home might be unsafe to drink. The Whistler resident lives in an older rental. A recent morning sample of his water in the kitchen sink showed lead 12 times Health Canada's safety limit. 
a little bit surprised for sure. Slightly shocked. Health Canada recommends testing in older buildings since they're at the highest risk. Global News, along with the Toronto Star and journalism students from UBC, tested water in 10 of these homes in Whistler. The lead levels dropped within recommended federal guidelines after the tap was running for two minutes. But Health Canada warns that there is no safe level of lead exposure. There's a concern that it will impact my son. Three years ago, Vancouver Coastal Health urged the resort municipality of Whistler to warn residents to run their tap water until cold to reduce the chance of lead exposure. The municipality, one of dozens of cities in B.C. that has acidic water. While it's safe to drink, the low pH balance can leach lead used in solder and brass fittings inside any home. This material is in contact with water and the lead uh, seeps from the material into water because that material until 2013 could contain up to 8% in lead. While other communities, including Metro Vancouver, have started treating their water to make it less acidic, Whistler hasn't done that yet. Still awaiting a staff report on the issue. If people are concerned about the fixtures in their home potentially having lead, I'd encourage them to swap those out. Um, or they can take the direction provided by Vancouver Coastal Health to run the water until it's cold before uh, drinking it. Something John Wallace says he will do from now on. Aaron MacArthur, Global News, Whistler. As part of the testing for that report, we included a room at the Fairmont Chateau Whistler. Initial testing showed high levels of lead in the tap water. Like the houses, the levels dropped after the water ran cold. The hotel says it plans on running independent tests to confirm what our results showed. An Italian study has found that spicing up your diet could help prevent heart attacks. Researchers tracked more than 22,000 adults for about eight years. Their study, published in the Journal of the American College of Cardiology, found people who ate chili peppers at least four times a week were 40% less likely to die of a heart attack, regardless of what diet they followed. Their risk of dying from stroke was also reduced by 50%. All right, now for some out-of-this-world news. Uh, UBC is sending yeast to the moon next year aboard NASA's Artemis One. Turns out we can learn a lot from yeast. Humans apparently share half our DNA with yeast. And as Linda Aylesworth reports, genetic researchers are on a mission to protect future space travelers from cosmic radiation. People think of Earth as a Goldilocks planet. It really is. We have water, we have the right temperature, and we also have this protective electrical shroud. That invisible electrical shroud is what protects us from cosmic radiation that's spewed out from the sun. But the farther from Earth you get, the greater the cosmic radiation. When we get about 100,000 miles away from planet Earth, we're no longer protected. So we get the full force of the solar wind and all of its cosmic radiation. And that's a concern for astronauts, because radiation damages DNA. It's a problem in need of a solution, particularly if we plan to venture to Mars one day. So we want to understand which genes are responsible for repairing the DNA after it's damaged by cosmic radiation, so then we can find, are there any drugs that can help as countermeasures? Professor Corey Nislow, a professor of pharmaceutical sciences at UBC, is doing just that by studying yeast. What we're hoping to learn is, of all the 6,000 genes in the yeast genome, which ones are required to survive cosmic radiation? 
Yeast is an ideal model, not just because we share half its genes, but because it multiplies so fast. We can study long-term effects that would take hundreds of years with human beings. From research conducted 400 kilometers up in the International Space Station and at UBC, he's learned that 10 genes can repair radiation-damaged DNA. But what they need to do is conduct the same experiments farther away from Earth. And that means going beyond the space station, going all the way to the moon, orbiting the moon multiple times, and then having the samples come back. And that's exactly what's happening next November, when NASA takes his yeast aboard Artemis One. It's a cliche, but I'm over the moon. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. It's fitting. It certainly is <laughs> in this application. Mm -hmm. Straight ahead, one of the most recognizable holiday hits charts some new territory. Santa! <laughs> it's time! How Mariah Carey's wish may have come true as she finally makes history right after weather. All right. Meteorologist Christy Gordon joins us uh, once again from the Burnaby Village Museum with a look at our forecast. Uh, as we approach Christmas, it just looks wetter and wetter, Christy. Yes, but uh, I do have some information as to whether or not we will see a white Christmas. Uh, we are here. You can see the carolers behind me. I'll show you a little bit more of them in a second. I want to just mention I made a mistake earlier. The uh, Burnaby Museum is on and through until January 3rd, but it's closed on the 24th and 25th. So Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, it is open on Boxing Day. All right, let's talk about a white Christmas. Here is a chance of white Christmas for various areas across the province, thanks to Environment Canada for this data. The column on the left is whether you would see snow on the ground in the morning on Christmas Day and the column on the right is whether it would be snowing during the day. So for Vancouver we have about a 10% chance of seeing snow on the ground and only a 4% chance of it falling during the day. Neat little statistics for you. All right we do have snowfall warnings in place for Prince George, Quinell and for uh, the inland sections of the north coast. It is a winter storm morning with a risk of freezing rain along with the snow for you. So dangerous conditions there. The red is a wind warning and the blue is a rainfall warning. This is the band that's going to shift from the north down across the south coast and it's going to stall across westerns across the south coast through the day tomorrow. But you'll note that Vancouver is just south of that. So there's quite a discrepancy as to whether or not we will see rain tomorrow in Metro Vancouver. This computer model showing that we could see significant amounts. Uh, we, still the majority of it is north of us but other computer models are showing that we won't see much at all. I'll just go through things really quickly here to show you the forecast. We are expecting rain across the north, snowfall for inland regions, and in the south, drier conditions. For the south coast, we will see rain, but mainly north of Metro Vancouver, but I wouldn't leave with a, a rain jacket tomorrow because we certainly could need it tomorrow and throughout the week. All right, I'll leave you with some beautiful caroling here. And we can live forevermore because of Christmas Day. Nice. Okay, back yeah, to you talent. guys. That is talent. I'm glad it's them singing and not us. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Thanks, Christy. I'm glad it's Mariah Carey in this case, too. She may not care about the presents, but her Christmas classic got a big and belated gift today. I don't want a lot for Christmas. There is just one thing I need. I don't care 
Chances are you've heard this holiday anthem many times while Christmas shopping, but today, for the very first time since it was released 25 years ago, All I Want for Christmas is You hit number one on the Billboard chart. Mariah tweeting, we did it, when she heard the news. How did it take so long? It's a song I love, actually. Uh, (laughs) See what I did there? See what you did there? Wow. It's one of my faves. Uh, Okay, Squire's here. Save us. Is it better than Good King Wenceslas, or however you say his name? Something like that. I would go to Mexico at this time of the year, too. I mean, to look for a soccer player? No, to get some sunshine. But whatever. If I find a soccer player, you know, bring him back at the resort. Yeah, it could always help the Whitecaps. You never know. (laughs) Give him a tryout. Um, As expected, the Vancouver Whitecaps have signed Canadian-born striker Lucas Cavallini to a three-year deal out of the Mexican League for a rumored $6 million U.S. transfer fee. See, the Whitecaps can spend money when they want to. He uh, becomes the main goal scorer on a team that really needs one. You can tell Lucas Cavallini is the Whitecaps' biggest signing ever because they never rented an armored assault vehicle for anyone else. But since his nickname is the Tank, or El Tanque in Spanish, it makes perfect sense. Obviously the nickname came since I was, uh, since I was in the youth system in Uruguay. It's just a nickname they use, just players that just they have a brick wall in front of them, they just run through them. Cavallini is a Canadian who left as a teenager for Uruguay before becoming a prolific scorer in the Mexican League, a league that is generally considered better than Major League Soccer. Coming here as a marquee player, a lot of fanfare around you, do you feel the pressure? Do you thrive in that pressure? I come from leagues where the fans pressure players way more than here, so pressure is not going to be a question here. Ahí está el silbatazo, Cavallini, Cavallini le pega! Obviously, they brought me here for a reason. Uh, what, I, what I like to do is score goals and, um, and help this team win as much games as possible. But the Whitecaps need to help him help them, which means players who can get Cavallini the ball, particularly from the midfield. So they need more signings. The wish of Mark and me is to, to bring in some more signings before 18th of January that they can start with the team to train. But of course, if we, if we have something very good in our mind and it's not possible to do that, then, then we are open to do it until end of January. But yeah, I'm optimistic that we get some more signings until the first training. Cavallini is in his prime at nearly 27 years old. He's fast, he's a tank, as the nickname would suggest, and he's happy to be playing regularly back in the home and native land for the first time since he was a teenager. Yeah, it's been 10 years since I haven't moved back to Canada, and uh, I want to I wanna bring what I've learned from outside uh, to, to a club like this, and uh, with a club with a long history, and I'm willing to do what it takes, so I'm just, I'm just happy to be here. Well, the Canucks tried to trade Sven Berchi and couldn't make a deal, so they put him on waivers this weekend, and nobody wanted him. It's too bad, but Berchi's contract is too high at almost $3.4 million a year. For a guy who's been injury-prone the past few seasons, he's also caught in that purgatory of being too good for the American Hockey League but not good enough for most NHL teams' top two lines. So he remains Canucks' property. 
The Canucks are playing Montreal tomorrow at home, which means another return to Vancouver for Brendan Gallagher, who starred with the Vancouver Giants. But for some reason, the Canucks never drafted him, and boy, is Montreal glad of that, because Gallagher never stops working. If cell phone batteries had Gallagher's energy, we'd only need to charge them once a year. Gally, uh, low maintenance, I return every night, every shift. You know what you're getting, and it's 150% every night, every shift. He, he, there's an expression we use, he drags his teammates into the fight. That's what Brendan Gallagher, Gallagher is all about. There's just little areas that you can feel like you can improve. And, uh, for me, I've just tried to you know, take on a little bit more responsibility uh, leadership-wise and, and, you know, responsibility on the ice. You get in positions where you're expected to do the job, and I think um, you know, the coaching staff and your teammates put a lot of trust in you, and you don't want to let them down. So put in the work, uh, continue to learn from, from past experiences, and just try to make those little strides to get better. Taylor Hall is now a dog. He was traded to the Arizona Coyotes by New Jersey less than two years after being the NHL's MVP. The Devils get two draft picks, including a first-rounder and a third-rounder, which could go to first if they sign Hall to a new contract and win a playoff round this year. As well, New Jersey gets three prospects, uh, forwards Nick Merkley and Nate Schnarr, and defenseman Kevin Ball, who is seven. The Oilers have lost four in a row. They are in Dallas to take on the Stars. And their passing is crisp in the first period. McDavid, Zach Cassian, one nothing. And then on the power play, the Oilers' best are the best. Connor McDavid to Alex Chason, who makes a McDavid-like pass to Leon Dreisaitl. 2-0 in the second period for the Oilers. And Blackhawks assistant coach Mark Crawford can go back to work for Chicago on January 2nd, one month after being put on leave while the team reviewed accusations of abusing players in his past. Part of the reason Crawford gets his job back is because he has actually been going to therapy since 2010 to better himself as a person and control his temper. Crawford himself praised the players who called him out and said he was sorry for how he treated them. Seattle Seahawks receiver Josh Gordon has been suspended again by the NFL for substance abuse. This is his sixth suspension since 2013. He missed most of 2014, all of 2015 and 16. The Seahawks were told by the NFL they say they saw no signs themselves of a relapse. He was in a really close-knit group here and uh, fit, you know, fit in and did, did really well. Um, you know, Josh has been through this before, unfortunately, and, and, uh, and I know just from talking with him in the time he was with us that he does understand where the help comes from. So just wish him the best and hope he, hope he can do well. And he won't be back with the Seahawks this season. Mm -hmm. There you go. All right, thanks, Squire. Let's check in with Jada Rant now for a look ahead to Global News at 11. JD. Thank you, Sophie. We'll have the latest on Surrey City Council's controversial budget and bringing you the results of the vote. Plus, a female pedestrian has died after being struck by a vehicle in Cloverdale. It happened this afternoon at the intersection of 192nd Street and 80th Avenue. This is the second pedestrian-involved incident in Surrey today. Another woman was struck at 188th Street and 56B Avenue around 7.30 this morning. She remains in hospital in serious condition. Those stories and more when you join us tonight at 11. All right, thanks, Jay.
Here's your snow report for this evening. This is going to be a great week for fresh natural snow. Whistler Blackcomb, 4 centimeters in the last 24 hours. Grouse, 9. Cypress, 10. Sasquatch and Manning Park still waiting to find a date, but they will be opening soon, I'm sure of it. Revelstoke, 7 centimeters. Fernie and Kicking Horse, nothing new, but they'll get some in the next 24 hours. Big White Silver Star and Sun Peak, 6 centimeters. Apex, nothing new, though. Mount Washington and Red Mountain still waiting to find a date, but they should also be opening pretty soon. Powder King, 4 centimeters. Some strong reaction to a story we brought you on last night's news hour. A Surrey father put his car up for sale on Craigslist to help pay for his son's upcoming surgery. Turns out it was ripped off by thieves who stole it instead. He believes he fell victim to a key switch scam. But as Catherine Urquhart reports tonight, there's good news on two fronts. This one definitely lights up. Look at that. On Sunday, Kyle Pruden and his son Marcus told Global News about how their car had been stolen. I want to tell them that they're good to be on Santa's naughty list. Kyle had listed the Chevy Cobalt on Craigslist, hoping to raise some Christmas cash for his seven-year-old, who lives with autism and a bone condition. My son's having a surgery in early January, so going to need some money for that. This couple seen on surveillance video took the car for a test drive, saying it was perfect. The next day, they changed their minds. Hours later, the uninsured car was gone, and Pruden discovered his test drive key had been switched. Unfortunately, you know, I didn't realize at the time that they had given me a different key to a different car. He looked exactly like mine. Our story prompted an outpouring of support, with one anonymous viewer asking Global News to give Kyle and Marcus a bank draft for $1,500. Oh my God, thank you so much. You just made a very, very, very special Christmas for all of us. The day got better. Surrey RCMP found the car, jailed two suspects, and the anonymous donor told Kyle, keep the cash. What's it going to mean for your little boy? He's going to have the best Christmas ever. <laughs> wow, is he ever? He doesn't even know. He's going to spoil him. <laughs> That's all I can say. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. See that? See what global viewers do? It's the greatest Christmas ever. It's the best. It's going to be even better tomorrow morning, isn't it? Yes, the Christmas Wish Breakfast at the Pan Pacific. So don't forget to bring an unwrapped toy or a gift card or a cash donation for the Christmas uh, Wish Bureau and Uncle's Toys. And where will it be? Pan Pacific. Pan Pacific. Breakfast. Get up early. I am. (laughs) See ya. Thanks for watching.